Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I am your host, Tisha Richmond. On this show, I chat with educators and thought leaders from around the world to hear stories of how they are transforming teaching and creating unforgettable learning experiences because we all have our own special magic. Welcome to the Make Learning Magical podcast. Today, I am so looking forward to chatting with an incredible educator and friend, Monica Spillman. Monica is a teacher and ed tech enthusiast with experience teaching pre-K and middle and high school special education in Georgia and Tennessee. She is also a Google certified trainer and an incredible sketchnoter and co-creator of the annual Pass the Sketchnote Global Sketchnoting Collaboration. She is an incredible inspiration, and I cannot wait for you all to learn from her today. Welcome, Monica. Hi, Tisha. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, it's so good to see you. The last time I saw your face was in Tennessee, (laughs) and I was there uh, in the Nashville area uh, last summer. It was so fun to get to see you in person and meet, so hopefully we can do that again someday. I hope so. It feels like much longer than just last year, but yeah, that would be I awesome. know. That would be so, so awesome. Well, I would love for you to share with our listeners just a little bit about you because there's so much more than I shared in the introduction. And if you could just share with our listeners and maybe share um, how your background has brought you to this point in your educational journey. It's kind of, it's, it's a little bit of a long story. Um, I um, did not go to college thinking that I was going to be a teacher. Um, I'm actually a first-generation college student in my family, and I just was so excited to be in college and seriously thought that I was going to go overseas and teach little uh, Thai children how to speak English. So I guess teaching kind of was in my mind, even though I didn't realize it. But I always thought teachers were like superheroes. Like, how could you keep up with all the students and be so you know, like such a high responsibility. But um, at the age of 40, after raising my children and all that, supporting my family, my kids were in middle school, I decided that I was, well, I think it was 38, maybe. Um, anyways, I became a teacher at the age of 40. So, you know, there's it's never too late. And um, I discovered that I just loved technology. Just, we had Promethean boards and things like that. And I had YouTube on my phone. I think I, by that time we had smartphones and I would bring in things. Um, so this was way back 2011. I would bring in things that, you know, I could. Um, but yeah. Um, so since 2011, I've been a teacher. So not that long. I just turned 50. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. I was thinking as you were sharing that, you look so young. <laughs> you are very youthful. We need we should just talk about how you what you do to stay looking so young. <laughs> that's part of our topic. That's what say that's another podcast, right? Um, exactly, exactly. Well, I know that we met on Twitter. That's how we got connected uh, originally and I it's always funny for me because Sometimes I connect with educators on Twitter and I've ne- I never meet them in real life. And I have to like think about it. Wait, maybe I did meet them in real life because <laughs> it feels like we know each other so well and we're so connected yeah. that sometimes uh, you forget. Oh my goodness, I haven't actually met you face to face. But luckily we have. Yes. We've had that opportunity to meet face to face. But I would love for you to share a little bit about just the power of Twitter and, and social media connecting for you and 
and maybe how you got connected and what it's meant to be part of a professional learning network. Yeah. Well, I, I was in Georgia in a school system, Floyd County schools, where there just happened to be some really progressive people. Um, a Google innovator, uh, Lee Green was there. He, I think he and some of the other ed tech um, specialists decided to start EdCamp. And so with their EdCamp, um, it just was like the beginning of being able to to share things. Like I think I was telling you earlier, before, if you had a position or you were a leader, you got to speak and share. But this was, you know, everyone has something to, something to say. And of course, at an EdCamp, um, if you don't know what that is, it's like a um, it's like a Saturday or um, a weekend type of professional development where you're there because you want to be there. No one gets paid. Um, and uh, there's always a hashtag or something to share on social media. And so from that point, I started um, sharing and connecting. And I think sketch noting is probably what dragged me into Twitter like really deep because I you just happened to see Sylvia Duckworth sharing all her things at that time. Like really, that was, I think it was 2015. Um, and it just, it just kind of sucked me in because I love drawing and I always drew on my notes when I was in school. So, and I would get in trouble of course, but, um, but then I saw people were doing it on purpose. And so, um, I started connecting there and then, um, I really wanted to gamify my classes. And so, um, that's how I really, I think, connected with you because I was in the um, XP lab chats. And so right. um, it, it was just a big circle of life, you know, with Carrie. There were just so many connections that came through sketchnoting and gamifying. <clears throat> and then the ed tech just kind of was organic through all of that because you just use so much technology. Right. No, and, and I, I love to talk a little bit about ed camps because... We don't have it like you do in the in you know the Midwest or other parts of the world. I guess you would you were south, more in the yeah. south <laughs> end of the end of the country. But when I have experienced ed camps, it's been in the Midwest uh, primarily, and it just hasn't really caught hold here on the West Coast, um, like it has in other parts of the United States. And so some of our listeners may just be totally new to this concept. And you talked a little bit about it, but maybe talk about how this works. Because really, in an ed camp, you don't have to be an expert or a professional speaker or um you, it's just a, a place where people are kind of coming together to share ideas and, and to start conversations mm -hmm. about things. So can you kind of share, like, what does it look like? They're usually on a Saturday, but how is a day organized for an EdCamp event? Well, there's always a team. There has to be a team. There's a lot of work. Um, but, you know, getting the word out is really important. But once people show up... Um, you generally have a sponsor for some breakfast. And um, so people are sitting around and there'll be sticky notes on the table and you just kind of start putting down ideas of things that you want to either talk about or you want to learn about. And so there are two different ways to look at it. Some people, um, the purest uh, Ed Camp style is just a conversation around some sticky notes. Like, no, there's no expert. There's no uh, slideshow. We're just talking. Um, and sometimes that's a little um, 
it's a little hard for the visual people. You know, they don't really get the the visual connection. But then there are other ed camps where they'll say, well, if you want to share something, then here's the slideshow. You know, here's the screen and here's the computer. Um, but it's just people sharing what they're passionate about or just looking for help. You know, like with game, like gamification, I, I, there's always a session on that. You know, people just want to talk about it or um, uh, not necessarily sketch noting, but I usually try to put one in there. You know, if, if, if I'm at an ed camp, I try to share about that. Um, but yeah, it's just what you want to learn about or what you uh, think you could help others with. Yeah, I love that. I love the concept and I've loved being part of ed camps when I have um, been able to travel to other places to go to them. And I'm wondering what's happening now with this, you know, COVID land that we're living in. Are places transferring that to a virtual space? Is that? Um, I, I haven't, um, I haven't participated, but I've noticed that there are some ed camps that have gone online and uh, we just talked, um, I'm on the organizing team for Ed Camp Dig City now. And so this morning we just talked about what are we going to do for our uh, 2021 Ed Camp? Because the last one was March uh, 7th and then the world shut okay. down. So um, we were lucky to have that in person. But um, but yeah, I think they're going to go online. And so, you know, it's the big question of what's your platform and how do you keep things from crashing and how do people join in? Um, our, we have... Uh, one of our connections down here at Camp Whitfield, they had a virtual ed camp and I think it went really well. They, they did it back in October. So it's not mm -hmm. the same, but until we can get back together, I think people just want to keep the connections going and the learning, you know, because right. if you just stay in your Zoom meeting all day with your, you know, district, it's hard to, um, it's hard to stay, I don't know, motivated, inspired sometimes because there's so much to do. So it's so true. And the learning curve is so high right now. I mean, everybody has had to shift and, and rethink how, how they're connecting with kids, how what you know, teaching and learning is looking like in a virtual hybrid space. And so I think that the more opportunities that we have to just share and chat mm -hmm. and collaborate with each other, um, it helps to keep us excited and joyful about what we do because Right now, I think that there's a lot of um, overwhelm and stress mm -hmm. and fear and all of the things. And so I, I love that. And I was just thinking about how that beginning of sharing, you know, the different topics that are going to be um, discussed in that ed camp could be done with like a Padlet or, you know, mm -hmm. maybe a Google yeah. form. I mean, there's lots of different ways that that could probably Jamboard. be done. Jamboard. Jamboard would be good. Yeah. You throw your sticky note on there. <laughs> Absolutely. That is fantastic. Well, I might need to be chatting with you because I would like to, st I would like to start one up in my local area. So we'll have to. Oh, that would be, yeah. I'm sure Heather would help you. <laughs> yes, yes. She for sure would. In fact, we did have an ed camp about, I think it was five years ago. And and Heather and I were together in, in, in putting that together. There was Kathy Sue, too. I think you know mm -hmm. Kathy Sue. So yeah. the three of us and a few others were involved in, in doing that. And it's time that we do it again. So. I love it. So you talked a little bit about how when you got connected on Twitter, that's how you started to uh, learn about sketchnoting. And maybe you learned about it initially from uh, these ed camps, too. There are probably listeners out there that really don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> we talk about sketchnoting. So I would love yeah. for you to share with our listeners um, 
what it is and then how you really started to explore this world yeah. of education. Well, the, the, the term sketchnoting came from Mike Rohde. Um, it's been around forever because, you know, Da Vinci did drawings and words, you know, um, to explain what he was doing. But um, that basically it's uh, doodling with a purpose, he calls it. Um, you're adding words, but visual like connectors so that um, so that when you go back and review something, you've you kind of filtered it through and it's really kind of stuck in your mind. There's um, a concept called dual coding where you're giving your brain the words, but you're also giving it the visual so it really helps um, anybody learn much, you know, much better, more, you know, more permanent type of learning. And then when you go back and look at it, it's like, oh, yeah, I remember that because you remember the pictures. So it's just any form of words and pictures. Um, and it can be elaborate or just scribbled. You know, when I'm doing it for my own learning, it really looks bad. <laughs> but if I'm going to share it out, then I take my time or I might re redo it. I might filter through what. What do I really want to remember? And then that's when you see the one that I might share out because, you know, it's, it's fun to share. Absolutely. And I think that that's a really important um, thing to share is that when you're sketchnoting just for yourself, it's not about making it look pretty or mm -hmm. it's just it's for your own learning and mm -hmm. to be able to connect and to be able to um, make that learning sticky and to hold on for that to, and to focus, you know, mm -hmm. but uh, I think sometimes people see the beautiful sketch notes and think, oh, that's awesome that, that she can do that or he can do that. But I'm not that artistic or I'm not mm -hmm. that creative. I mean, how can you speak to that with with our listeners who think, well, I am not an artistic person. I don't think I can do I can do that. Well, the first thing I always say when I'm sharing, like with teachers, like don't Google sketchnoting and then show your students because then they will be overwhelmed. They'll see all these graphic recorders and graphic facilitators that get paid to do them or mm -hmm. Sylvia's things will pop up. But, um, you know, it, it's any form of putting a picture with the word. So you can totally give them a template with, you know, <clears throat> a box here for your picture, a box here for your words. Mm -hmm. And then you know, if you have your lesson outlined, you can, you know, I mean, it's, it's just a way to help your students not struggle to remember. Because linear notes, I know they're very hard for me, just straight across mm -hmm. the page and all that. I like it better when things are chunked around the page. So um, you're just helping the students kind of organize their ideas instead of having to filter through so many words. Right. So words are hard. They <laughs> are. Some. For some, not everybody, but for, I think, a lot. Right. And so I'm wondering in your um, in your journey, did you find that when you kind of discovered what sketchnoting was that you realized that maybe you had been doing that for a while and not realized that there was a name to it? Have you always kind oh. of been a doodler? And Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like, I remember people telling me, um, you know, you're supposed to be paying attention. And, and I'd say, but I am. <clears throat> and even like, there are some things, there are some parts of a sketch note or um, taking notes where you're listening and you're, you're doodling to focus yes. to help you stay, you know, with that thing. So it might be just a, a flower or a, a, 
scroll or a swirl that you're doing. And I, people would say, you're not paying attention. And I really, I really was, it was helping me pay attention. And then um, I would go back in and, you know, if there was somebody, like if it was something that was going to change, I always do this like circular, it's almost like the recycle symbol, mm. but it's a circle with the arrows. And so it's like, it's change. It's something, a change. It's a um, transformation. That, so I had little visuals in my mind that would, um, that I created, they call it a visual library mm-hmm. where it's like, that's what that means to you. It's like your own little icon um, kind of set that you, that you say, this means this. And that means that, you know, a clock always means a time, a box with a little shadow always means something I need to do. Mm. So I've kind of created a, you know, just a little bank of pictures for my, myself, but. Right. Well, I know in my own journey, cause I love to sketch note too. And I discovered it, I think at ISTE, I don't know what year it's, it's been at least three or four years ago now, probably 2015. And I actually went to a session with Carrie Bauckham and Sylvia mm-hmm. Duckworth was there. And, um, I really got excited about this idea because I have always had a hard time focusing when mm-hmm. anyone's talking, whether it was in a session or church or wherever, I would find mm-hmm. myself just doodling and just having a hard time paying attention. And so when I realized, wow, like this might help me pay attention, I started trying it and I found it to be so effective in my own learning and helping me focus and helping me retain that information that I started thinking, I've got to bring this to my classroom. I Mm -hmm. know that if I have found such value in this, that my students, at least some of them will find value in this too. And so I started having my students do it with demonstrations that I gave in culinary Mm -hmm. arts. And so I would demonstrate something and then I would have my students um, do a sketch note of that demonstration. And it was pretty powerful. And some of my students who just hated taking notes or just really had a hard time paying attention to my demonstrations and would be squirrely and not able Mm -hmm. to stay uh, sit still, they were all of a sudden creating these sketch notes and they were excited. Like they'd come in and they'd get their colored pencils out and they would, you know, be really looking forward to doing it. And so I think that, I think that it's a really powerful form of note taking. And and I found just, it's so effective. It's so Mm -hmm. effective. And I I would love to go back to where you talked about the having maybe a template or something um, that maybe is a box for the doodle and a box for the Mm -hmm. text. I'm wondering um, with littles, you, you teach the little ones, what does that look like? Do you bring this into your classroom with your littles or do you primarily do it for your own learning? And, and, and what could that look like for a teacher that maybe wants to try this with their kids? Well, like, you know, the little ones are lucky because that is good teaching practice. I mean, that is what you do. You take the word and they visualize it and then you you want them to draw it, you know, like pre-writing in um, kindergarten and pre-K is drawing your picture, you know, get your story out first on visual, you know, in your picture, then we're going to come back and you tell me about your picture. And those are the words that are going to go down instead of, you know, write me a story, then you get to draw your picture. That's not how it works. You visualize it first. And so the little ones are lucky because that's what you're supposed to do. Right. Um, so like in our class, we, you know, we learned about letters. So like yesterday was J and, um, you know, so we 
you know, can you think of something that starts with J? And then I draw a picture of it. So someone said jumpoline, which they meant trampoline. <laughs> but, you know, I said, oh, you mean jump? So I drew a picture of a trampoline and a stick man jumping. So very simple. There was no nothing elaborate. They knew what it was, you know. If someone in the class starts with J, you know, you draw their picture. And anyways, so you, it's just, we just add a picture to everything. You know, the schedule has pictures and they, they, they learn to read the pictures when they're little, but eventually they'll remember, oh yeah, that's the word that was always by recess, you know, and that kind of thing. Right. So yeah, it's just what you do when they're little. Right. That's a good, that's a good point. I've never taught the littles. I've always taught the bigs. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, in, in my own classroom, I would just get a bunch of printer paper and put it on the back um, table. And I had these little cups of colored pencils that they could grab when we were going to be doing note taking. And I, I started out by kind of sharing with them, like talking about sketch noting and then having some opportunities to um, try it. I think in my class, I started with uh, a YouTube video that was very short and had um, tips. It was like five tips to doing something. And mm-hmm. I found that having something like that where they could focus on the five things was a good way right. to start. Um, and then that kind of progressed into having, like if I was teaching how to make a pie crust, like the four mm-hmm. steps to making a pie crust or the five steps. And so they had kind of those um, those markers, the structure. Yeah, structure. Yeah, absolutely. And then also creating, I think, those templates too for those for those students who just need you to create the structure for them to get started, um, mm-hmm. I think is, is helpful. Just I think about when I create in Canva or Adobe Spark and how you can do a blank slate, but you can also use a template to get started mm-hmm. just to kind of, you know, to get a structure in place, kind of that same idea. And uh, so it's something really cool. I got to do not last, could have been last summer. I don't know. The world seems like it's been 20 years since last summer, but um, Connie Hamilton works with um, the hack learning um, publishing group. And she reached out to me to do some sketch noting frames for her book called hacking questions. It's an awesome book for, just guiding students through really good discussions, you know, don't just, you know, raise your hand, that sort of thing. So there's like 10, there's 10 hacks. And so there's a sketch note frame for every chapter, for every hack. And so when she does an um, in-person PD, they get to, um, they get to use those. And she said, she's getting to where people are like, I don't want the frame. I want you to let me just create it. So, um, you know, some people don't want the frame, but a lot of people really like it because the visuals help you with the certain, they have a really neat format for each chapter. Mm-hmm. So there are five there or six predictable parts of each chapter. So we did anyways, it was fun, but yeah, the, the frame is really helpful. Right. Just like scaffolding it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and so some, some people want that, some don't, and that's okay. And that's what's yeah. neat. I mean, I think that there's some people who, uh, tend to always kind of fall into the same structure when they sketch note and in others, it's going to depend on what they're sketch noting about. So, you know, maybe for a certain topic, you know, a more linear form of mm-hmm. in their sketch note is going to make sense. And another one, it might be a little bit more eclectic and kind of all mm-hmm. over the place. I tend to be a little bit more eclectic in my sketch notes and how uh, I lay out the information, but 
So for those those listeners that are intrigued right now and thinking, wow, like this is really something that I could see helpful in my own learning and something that I would really love to introduce to my students. What are some, how can people get started? Where can they find information about it? How can they, um, you know, get connected to, to you and, and learn more about how to bring this into their world of learning? Well, if they're book people, then two books definitely, um, or three that I would recommend, um, Carrie Bauckham wrote a book called My Pencil Made Me Do It. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a natural um, thing that came out of her YouTube channel and her blogs. And so she teaches middle school special education. And um, those kids really thrive with those um, strategies that she teaches them. And uh, Tani McGregor is um, an author that works with Heinemann. And she wrote a, a beautiful book called Ink and Ideas. And it is full of information, ideas, how to bring the visualization into your class. And then, of course, you know, the original Sylvia Duckworth that inspired me. She has a small, uh, she has a really thick book full of her sketch notes, which are beautiful. But then she wrote the sketch noting for educators to help you guide um, your students through it. But that's the book versions. And all of these amazing people have video versions, you know, that basically free resources. So if you look up any of those authors and I actually have a video I can send to you um, when the lockdown first happened, the um, the district I work in Hamilton County schools, they reached out to some of us to um, provide PD. And since I'm a Google certified trainer, they asked me if there were any things I could share. And um, there was a, a blank space one day and I said, I'm going to see if Carrie Bauckham and Tandy McGregor will join me. And they did. And so we shared with um, the district about sketch noting. Um, and I have that recorded. So it's really good. Um, just a really rich session on just how to get started. So that would be amazing if we could possibly put that in the show notes. That would be amazing resource. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link. But yeah, I mean, just let your let your students doodle. I yeah. mean, and I think Carrie even just starts with a sticky note. Like she pulls the intimidation factor down to zero mm-hmm. because you put this information with this, sti- you know, with this picture on a sticky note. Like that's not mm-hmm. intimidating. And then you can put it together, you know, then you can map it out. So um, absolutely. Just, just just let them draw. That's the one thing uh, when I was, you know, younger, I got in trouble. I had a a daughter that got in trouble for drawing and she was trying to listen. She was Mm -hmm. trying to pay attention, but that was the thing that got her in trouble. And so just let them doodle. (laughs) That's my hashtag. Let them doodle. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I think about you've done these these amazing um, sketch notes for some of the Dave Burgess Incorporated books. And I think about that because when I first started sketchnoting, that was what I started sketchnoting was book chapters mm-hmm. because I had learned about it at ISTE. It was in the summer and I was doing a lot of professional reading that summer. And so I thought maybe I can try it this way. You know, maybe I can mm-hmm. just start sketchnoting these chapters that I was reading. And um, it was really, really powerful. So I think about that too in in having our students do that maybe for reading and when they're reading a book to be able to pull mm-hmm. out some of the key learnings from different chapters in their in their sketch note as well. 
Yeah, that one. And see, and, and the, the one I started with was Teach Like a Pirate. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the part part one was already laid out with the pirate acronym. So, you know, that just kind of had the structure already in my mind. Mm-hmm. And so I knew the visuals would help me remember what each um, part of the pirate acronym meant. Mm-hmm. So I started with that. And of course, Dave being Mr. Um, amplifier, multiplier, you know, he he saw it and he liked it. So, um yeah, that those um, those like a pirate sketch notes have helped me to retain the information. Yeah, just to you know remember. Oh yeah, that's what that was that someone shared in that book, and then I can share it with someone else. Yeah, that's amazing. I love it. I um, maybe we'll have to maybe put some of your sketch notes in the show notes too, so people can see the awesome things that you have done. So I am wondering in this world of of. COVID teaching that we are in, uh, I'm always intrigued to talk to educators about what it looks like in their area. I'm in Oregon and we've been fully virtual since March and it doesn't look like that's changing um, anytime soon. We do have uh, limited in-person instruction where we can bring in little pockets of kids for instruction right now. But I know that as I've talked to educators in my own district and have supported them in technology integration that the teachers of the littles is really hard because Mm -hmm. it's really hard not to have those face-to-face connections first of all but it's really hard to teach across a screen when you are used to having so many manipulatives and so many things for kids to work with and how have you transition like what first of all does it look like in your district what are you you know virtual hybrid brick and mortar and what are some things that you've done to to pivot during this time to connect and and teach your kiddos well the first thing uh, the the district started out they call it the smart start um, with an ab schedule just to help students get acclimated teachers get acclimated and just begin the sort of plugging in the virtual learning with the in-person and then of course smaller groups so that you can get used to what is the procedure for the mask and when do you put it on when you take it off you know all the mm-hmm. things um but we, and with pre-k we start out with um with very like a half half size class and so we would only have 10 at a time and then um and then now we are um all we have 20 students in each pre-k class and they come every day um uh, unless there's, you know, some type of shutdown, but we haven't had anything like that in my school yet. And um, it, it to support people that have to be out, we created a website. So just a mm-hmm. Google site where we have a slideshow that had or yeah, a slide, a slide deck that shows links to the story and the activities and, you know, do this in person and send us a picture or this is on class dojo. So, you know, go to class dojo and, do the activity. Um, you can, you know, take a picture or do a worksheet. And um, so we just stay connected with through Class Dojo, through Google Sites, um, and you know, just just trying to um, give them all kinds of ways. I can't say you have to do it like this. Like some kids, they don't have anyone to sit next to them to help them. So mm-hmm. you know, they just are doing their best. So I send things that they can watch, and then somebody can text me a picture of what they're doing. So. Um, so if we go to a, um, the, the numbers keep going up. So if we go to a hybrid model again, then I'll have, you know, half my class with me and half doing online learning. And we'll just, we'll give them probably two or three ways to 
to turn things in and then, you know, just make sure they're staying connected and, and healthy and, you know, someone's taking care of them. So I don't know. That's been the most important thing right now is, are you okay? Yeah. <laughs> you know, because letters and numbers will come, but are you okay? Absolutely. Um, I think that's so important. And I'm wondering, what does that look like when you do bring them into the classroom with the guidelines for social distancing? Like, how do you keep littles up away from each other? Because there's so much of that, just hands on. I know my, my husband taught uh, littles for a little while. He was a kinder and a first grade teacher and wow. he, before ceramics. I know it's quite a contrast. And so I know that he was always saying kids are just all over the place, wanting to hug you and all of that. How do you deal with that? Well, I'll send you a picture of my classroom. It's um, <laughs> We have these crazy partitions on the tables so that they can sit and take off their mask, you know, so they're, you know, they're really high and they can just take a break from their mask. But you know, if they're, if they're together, like close to one, if, if they're walking around the room, their mask is on. If they're sitting on, on the floor, my, I took my carpet out just so I wouldn't have to sanitize it all the time. Right. You know, um, if they're sitting on the floor, their mask is on. And I taught them how to fold their mask. And we made a little, we have a duo uh, name tag mask bag. It's, I don't know, it hasn't, it doesn't, I think we call it the mask bag now. But it where it goes around their neck, it's got their name on it. And then it's just a Ziploc bag fortified with duct tape. And they put their mask in there and it's where it stays when they take it off so that it's not on the floor. It's not on the table. It's, you know, not on their friend's head or, you know, whatever. Um, but they're getting a little, I think, uh, fatigued with all that right now. Yeah. So um, we're going to have to maybe gamify that little situation for them because, um, you know, it's just getting tiring. It's, it's hard to breathe in a mask. It's yeah. hard to sing. It's hard to dance. So it's you just have to check and see where they're at. And it's, it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy. Oh, I can't, I can't even imagine. So you talk about gamification, you talk about that, you know, as one of the areas that you got excited about when you started getting connected. And I am so intrigued by what you have done with gamification with your uh, littles, because I, you know, am a huge advocate mm -hmm. of, of gamification and have loved bringing gamified strategies into high school learning and into my, you know, coaching role as well. What does, can you share a little bit about what you've done with your kids with gamification? The first time I, I used it was um, when I taught middle school um, special ed. And these were sixth, seventh and eighth graders that um, just couldn't, couldn't, just couldn't be successful in the regular class due to behavior, but probably some special needs that were unidentified, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, they, they were in school, but they had to come and kind of get away from everybody. Anyways, we gamified with Khan Academy then. So all the, cause I sixth, seventh and eighth grade, I can't, I'm not an expert in all those things, but Sal Khan has come up with many people that are. So we gamified that way. They'd level up and, you know, it was very, easy personalization. So that was the first thing that kind of like got me excited about it. And then um, for the pre-Kers, um, like two years ago, I created a game, but the, the school was the, um, the, the mascot was the Knights. So it was the Super Knight game. And so, you know, they love superheroes. So I drew a picture of a knight wearing a, a hero cape. And, you know, that was our little thing. We wanted to become Super Knights. And so um, 
just random things. I made a little ticket, a little one, you know, one point ticket. So they got to count them. And, you know, we did all the, you know, good learning things with it. But um, they just got to build up on their board. I made a little game board. And um, so every time they got 10, they got to color in a square. And if they got to 40, they got a certificate saying they were on their way and look, mom, dad, whatever. I'm, I'm on my way to be a super knight. And then if they got to 90, I didn't make it 100. If they got to 90, they were a super knight and they got the special certificate. They got to wear like a, um, they got a, I had a shield. They got to hold the shield. And so just to, you know, be positive, but give them something tangible because, you know, little ones, it goes in one ear and out the other sometimes. Because if they get in trouble in five minutes, they forgot you said how great they were. But if they see their little point, and so last year, the school I was at, or the school I'm at now, we're the leopards. So we were super leopards. So we made up a cheer and they would sing it and then um, they would get their super leopard point. And so they could save it or they could take it home, you know, if they wanted to just show off. So it was just a tangible, positive thing for them. Just a little something, because if they get in trouble all the time, they did get that one point, you know, right. they can never lose them. They never lose them. They always get to keep them. And so they can do whatever they want with them. And it's just, a you know, um, I haven't started it this year um, because they seem to do better if you wait until maybe Christmas, um, mm -hmm. January. It's just kind of school's a brand new thing, you know, sure. at the beginning. So I usually wait a little longer and then it just it helps to like, you know, you get tired of following the rules. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's, it's a fun game, but um but yeah, it's really cute. So like last year, we we made the cheer into one of those. Um, what's the thing with the, the mouth um, where you can make the picture? It look like it's talking. Um, oh, I don't know. Is it duck? No. Oh, gosh. I can't remember. I'm having a brain. Oh, is it an here. app? Are you talking? It's an app. Oh, the chatter picks? Is it like a chatter picks? Yes. Chatter picks. Yes. So we designed a super leopard. Um, like they helped me design him on Google Drawings. And then that was our mascot. And then they did the cheer. And then we um, made the picture um, say the cheer. And then we shared it with our family. So that is just something. So it that is cute. awesome. That is cute. Yeah. I love how you kind of bring in the technology to that too. And I don't know. I know with my students, I noticed such a difference when I brought in gamified strategies into learning that my students just became more empowered, more immersed. Mm -hmm. um, they also became, I think it helped our, our class culture and mm -hmm. just it became a more collaborative environment, which I might seem strange to some because I think there's some people that think, oh, I don't know if I want that kind of competition or that kind of a, a, a vibe in my classroom. But I found exactly the opposite to be true in mm -hmm. my own experience. And it actually made a more collaborative learning environment. Have you noticed the same thing with the little kids? Have you noticed some of those same things or what had, did, what did you notice changed when you started bringing in the gamified strategies? Well, the biggest change was for like the, maybe the specific student that, you know, like I said, they really took it hard if they had to be recorrect, you know, redirected, but they were so proud of themselves, you know, like, and they may have gotten one point in two days or, you know, or a whole week, but they still see it. It's still in their cubby. They still see their point because they got to save them. Like they had an envelope and they, that they, they were the keeper of their points. And um, so it was just a boost, like a, a, a reminder that, you know, they did something right. You know, they did something good. 
Um, and then, you know, I, like if someone did earn a point that maybe doesn't normally earn, earn one, we like I would tell the class, you know, tell your friend, great job. You just got a point, you know, and then they would. So, you know, you just kind of teach them to be positive and um, just teach them to encourage each other. What's what, what you were saying about the competition. Um, so like in the teach like uh, explore like a pirate when Michael Winter talks about gamification he talks about the gamer types right and I was obsessed with that because I could see it even in my little ones Mm -hmm. and so you know this one did want to have more than everybody but this one didn't care she just wanted to make sure that everybody got a point and then this one just wanted to figure out you know how to you know it's just all the different types of and so you're you can meet each child where they are and kind of like, you know, light their fire in a different way, but you're still being positive, you know? Yeah. I don't all have to behave the same way to be successful and to learn it. It's all, I don't know. We're all different. Yeah. I think that's so true. And that's what I found too, is that when I built in these different game mechanics into my classroom, I would think about the different learners. And if a, if there were certain students that maybe weren't um, buying into the game or, or not as maybe excited about it, then I would think about, well, what would that kid get excited about? Like, right. how can I find something that that would help them connect? And and that made me really um, made me really aware of how different mm-hmm. just the different personality types and and how to meet all of the kids' needs, like you were saying. Well, you know, we like, I, I think some teachers struggle with the differentiation, but that's like total differentiation. You're, you're, you're meeting them in the place that will excite them about learning. So yeah. um, maybe we need to teach teachers about gamification or the player types <laughs> to learn more about differentiation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's been super, super powerful in, in my own practice for sure. So I would love just to um, hear, like, what are some, talking about getting excited about about learning, I know that for me, I've had so many different books and, and people in my, you know, educational world that have uh, challenged me, but also inspired me to keep learning and growing as an educator. I'm wondering if there is maybe it could be a book or a podcast you've listened to lately or maybe somebody that you follow on Twitter that um, really, you know, helps inspire you or has inspired you in in your learning in education. Well, um, you know, I I think I've heard you say this, that this pandemic kind of has sort of squashed creativity a little. Mm -hmm. There's so much real important stuff that has to be learned and done accomplished um but right before school started i got to do the sketch noting for um the hive summit oh and cool. so that's always like this was the third year i've done it and michael matera um asked me three years ago i think he had a sketch noter that was going to do it and then they couldn't mm-hmm. and so um he asked me and i was like sure why not you know but for me the um the biggest benefit was is I knew I would hear all those nine sessions. Yeah. You know, I wasn't going to miss that learning. And so that's just been a really, because um, all the speakers are always so good. Um, just, you know, very thoughtful. Um, he chooses them, I think, very thoughtfully. Mm-hmm. But they've all been very um, informative and helpful and um, just inspiring. But but 
So that's kind of been the last thing. Um, I just um, heard how great Tech Like a Pirate is. So I'm going to get that book. Um, I've heard that it, like we have an admin that is um, reading it and he said how much it helps him as a technology leader. So um, yeah, that all the date, you know, Tara Martin's um, Facebook lives that she has done with the Mm -hmm. authors. I just, I really have felt like I'm not by myself on the third floor of my house in Chattanooga. You know, I really feel connected to uh, learning and people that are inspiring and not everybody's having a great time, but you know, they're honest. And so all the DVC, of course, and then the Hive Summit, that's really, that's really been my um, inspiration uh, spot. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. That I agree 100%. And uh, Tech Like a Pirate, Matt Miller uh, mm-hmm. wrote that book, and I, I have it, and it is amazing. I highly mm-hmm. recommend it. And um, yes, the Facebook Lives Tara does are, are amazing too. And right now, I think there's been different kind of uh, series that they've done, but right now, mm-hmm. Thursday nights um, is a night, I think around four Pacific time. I don't, I, so probably like six o'clock your time uh, that they have kind of a different mm-hmm. one. And the neat thing about it, because sometimes four o'clock isn't a great time for me because it's just when I'm getting off of work. And so I'm, you know, mm-hmm. going to transitioning back home or working out or whatever it is. But I love that I can watch them later, not live, right. but after the fact, which is really, really cool too. And then there's the conversations that happen in the chat. And so you feel yeah. like, oh, I get to see my friends for a little bit and get to chat yeah. and, and talk with other educators. So uh, I would love before uh, we end, I can't, I could just talk to you all day, Monica. <laughs> Monica, it's so amazing just getting to chat with you. Uh, and I was wanting you to mention a little bit about this past, the sketch note, because this is something that you co-created with Carrie Bauckham. And it's an annual kind of global sketchnoting collaboration. So I'd love for you to share about that with the listeners and maybe when the next round is coming up, because it's maybe, I think in January, is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, um, 2018 was the first year we did it. And I had connected with Carrie through the XP lab chat, but then also saw that she had all the sketchnoting connect. So, you know, I was always tagging her in something or asking her a question about either gamification or sketch noting. And um, I guess I'm just, you know, if you can tag somebody and ask them a question, I just do. I think that's how I probably connected with you so much because if I had a question, I would just send it to you, you know? Right. Um, but um, so uh, 2018 world sketch note day was coming and um, I didn't know what that was. I had never heard of it, but Mike Rohde invented it. Um, because uh, January 11th looks like pens and pencils and markers. So one, 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 you know, that's why right. they chose oh. that date. So because it, it looks like writing utensils. And so um, Carrie had posted on Instagram that it was coming. Woo-hoo. And uh, so I just I picked up my phone. It was charging on the little end table. I'll never forget it. Picked up my phone and I said, we should pass a sketch note. Wouldn't that be fun? <laughs> And so Carrie, being who she is, she's like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do it. And she created a logo and um, she has an incredible following. Um, We laughed because at that point I had 600 followers. She had 6,000. And so I'm like, you're probably going to be the one needs to share this. And so, um, you know, of course, hers have multiplied exponentially now. But um, so she shared it out and we sent out a Google form and 
people from all over the world, including Sylvia Duckworth, um, joined us. And it was so fun because whether it was um, a piece of paper or like a tablet, like, you know, Procreate that we like to use. Um, or do you use Paper 53 or Procreate? I, well, I have always used Paper 53 and I'm trying to transition to Procreate. I'm kind of, okay. you know, sometimes you kind of, what's comfortable, it's hard for mm-hmm. you to switch. And, but there's yeah. some definite things that I know Procreate can do that I would love to explore. So, but we made teams of this. We, we started with adults. Um, and I think there were a few schools that, um, that hopped in with some classes. Um, definitely after the fact, classes kind of started popping in, but we made teams and you had a day to pass it around. You had the first person, they would do their note and then they would tag someone on Twitter you download the picture and you add and it's just there's the the theme is um, usually world sketch note day just kind of like all about you know what does sketch noting mean to you then we've had some like in in may if you go back and look at the ones from may um there are some really neat um ones we did one just because you know we all just needed to feel connected and everybody was it was just really the some schools did it and it was just really touching to see the um what people wanted to share about how they feel about being by you know at home or you know all this stuff that's going on and so um sometimes we have pop-ups sometimes we have conference versions like we tried an ISTE version um you know sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't we've had some people take it and make it their own um just with different you know groups within their school but it's just fun you know just adding on to someone else's ideas and connecting with people that like to draw (laughs) I mean, you know, it's okay to draw. So. Absolutely. I have participated in it before and I had so much fun. I think it's just such a creative idea, wonderful way to not only create, to practice your sketchnoting, but also to just connect with amazing educators and be part of something together. I think it's it's so, so cool and um, just so just so amazed by you, Monica. You've done so many amazing things. And I just I just love your joy and um, your love and your passion for what you do. It's it's always, uh, it just uplifts me. And, and you've just been such an encourager in my own journey too. So I, I so appreciate it. And I, I know our listeners are for sure going to want to find out how they can connect with you and continue to learn from you. So how can we find you on social media? Um, definitely Twitter, um, at Mo Spillman. Um, so Instagram and Facebook is more for, you know, just my personal life. I'm I'm connected with lots of educators, but as far as sharing, I probably don't share educational things on Facebook and Instagram, but Twitter definitely at Mo Spillman. And, um, yeah, I just, you know, I love to toot the horn of what's going on around me or, share something that maybe the kids really enjoyed that seemed effective. Um, but yeah, definitely Twitter. Twitter's yeah. the place. Yeah. Well, Monica is definitely someone you want to follow. She will definitely fill your, your feed with, with joy and inspiration. And, and again, just such a supportive, amazing educator. So I really, really appreciate you being on the show today, Monica. I've just enjoyed uh, getting to chat with you so much. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. Joy definitely is what I would um, say you bring as well. I love uh, listening to you. I feel like I know you because I hear your podcast. So it's neat to be able to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to the next time that I get to go to Tennessee. We're going to, yes, we're going to definitely connect again.
Definitely. <laughs> oh, well, thank uh, you. It's a great conversation. Uh, it's been so fun. Have a magical day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Make Learning Magical podcast. I hope you were inspired by this episode and encouraged to find new ways to bring magic into teaching and learning. You can connect with me on Twitter at Tish Rich, Instagram at Tish Richmond, or on my website at tisharichmond.com. Please use the hashtag MLMagical to share thoughts about this episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and tune in next week for another magical episode.